0: what's up guys happy friday if you're listening when this first releases we are wrapping up quarterback week today i'm pretty excited we're going to talk about some normal type of podcast topics but also i'm going to talk about something a little bit different we're talking sleepers busts boom potentials and strategy when it comes to the quarterback position so first i'm going to start with one of my sleepers and that's joe burrow His ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is quarterback 18 off the board. He is my quarterback 8. Let's talk about what he did in college. He ran, as we know, rushing is very important for fantasy. He ran for 370 yards average in his two seasons at LSU. It came out to 27 yards per game. That would be over a 16-game season. 432 yards that's very good i'm only projecting him to be around 280 rushing yards so that's a significant decrease that's about 70 percent that i'm projecting him for and he's still up at my QB8. so there's room for improvement in the rushing category he also ran for 12 touchdowns in 28 games that's seven rushing touchdowns per 16 games i'm only projecting him at four that's also a number that could go a little bit lower a little bit higher so room for improvement And that's from quarterback eight, which is where I have him. Now, let's not forget, they have A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. They just drafted T. Higgins, who I think could become a Brandon Marshall type receiver. They have John Ross taking off the top of the defense, and their wide receiver five is Auden Tate, who is, if you just type in Auden Tate highlights with the Bengals, you can tell how he made the most out of horrible targets. So he has an amazing, Joe Burrow, an amazing cast of wide receiver talent. Honestly, it might be, and some of you guys will not like this, but it might be the best receiving quarter since he has had in the last 10-plus years in terms of how deep it goes, and maybe A.J. is not elite anymore. That doesn't even matter because you have Tyler Boyd, a great slot receiver, T. Higgins, who I think is going to be very good, and then you still have your deep threat in John Ross and another good-sized guy in Auden Tate who makes amazing catches and knows how to use his body, box out, extend, high point the ball, and all those things that you want in a receiver. So honestly, and that's why Auden Tate is also one of my favorite dynasty stashes, stashes, because if A.J. Green is gone and then they don't end up keeping Ross, Auden Tate moves into that second outside receiver role. With T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, he could be really good. So that's another reason I like Auden Tate. But the Bengals now have a horrible defense, just like they have in the past. It might have gotten a tiny bit better, but it's still going to be one of the worst in the league. So they're going to be losing often, and they're going to be behind often. The Bengals last year threw the ball 616 times. I expect that to be a similar number this year. Yes, I do think they're going to have increased efficiency because of the better weapons, the better O-line with Jonah Williams, their first-rounder from last year that didn't get to play. He's coming back. So the better O-line, the better weapons, and... I think we can all agree Joe Burrow's better than the Andy Dalton we've seen in the past two or three years. All those things are going to be an efficiency bump and they're going to have a better offense in general. So I'm not going to project 616 pass attempts. I'm actually projecting 595 because usually when efficiency goes up, even if it's just a little bit, the pass attempts are going to come down a little bit. So I fully expect Burrow to be better than Dalton in every pass metric. And it's not just Because Burrow, I think, is better now than the past couple years Andy Dalton we've seen. But also because of the situation getting better with the weapons, the O-line, and everything that we just talked about. The only thing in Joe Burrow's way from breaking the yards and touchdown record for a rookie quarterback is COVID. I really believe that. I still think he can break both. And I actually haven't projected to do so. Because think about it. Baker Mayfield has the record of passing touchdowns in 13 games at 28 touchdowns total. You know how many times Baker threw the ball to get to that 28-touchdown mark? 480 times. Burrow is going to at least, or be very close to, passing for 100 times more than what Baker did. So if you have Burrow around 580 pass attempts, which is very, very realistic considering they threw 616 last year, And he has three extra games to play as a starter. And he has better weapons, because remember, when Baker did that, he had Landry and a bunch of nobodies. It was not nobodies, but Antonio Callaway, Rashad Higgins. So Burrow's A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, his weapons are way better. The Browns' offensive line in Baker's rookie year was not much better than what the Bengals are dealing with this year. So Burrow has a better cast, and he also himself, coming out of college, has just as good of a passing profile as baker mayfield and some someone argue better and so i think baker has or sorry joe burrow has a very very realistic shot at breaking the rookie passing touchdown record and because of the pass um attempts he's gonna see this year he's gonna have a shot at yardage too so last thing to wrap up joe burrow he has everything you need to be an elite fantasy quarterback So maybe it doesn't happen this year. And it's going to be hard because of COVID and, you know, just a shortened off season, less, no preseason games to get in real reps before the season starts. It's going to be rough. And luckily Joe Burrow's cost is so low that anytime I'm taking him, I'm taking a second quarterback too, especially this year, because I mean, if somebody gets COVID, they're going to be out for two, three weeks, maybe. And you want to have a good backup quarterback on your roster. So hopefully your commissioners are doing things. I know I am to, you know, make a difference for this season because of COVID. Maybe extra IR spots only for COVID. That's what I'm doing personally. I'm keeping the bench the same and stuff because I don't want to deplete the waiver wire. But because of COVID and stuff, Burrow might start a little bit slow, but he has everything he needs to be an elite fantasy quarterback. And what are those things? High pass volume, rushing potential, a bad defense behind them, and good rece- good weapons at wide receiver. He has all four of those things in his favor. And so that wraps up my first sleeper, Joe Burrow. Remember, I have him at quarterback 8, and his ADP right now is quarterback 18. So you can get him super late, and I think it will definitely pay off for you. Now let's move to a bust. Now, I still like the guy somewhat. I mean, he's kind of a dick. But Aaron Rodgers, I have him at quarterback 22. I know that's super low, but he is towards the back end of the tier I have him in. And I can shuffle around people in the tier very easily, especially when I'm drafting, because the way I work my tiers is everyone's projected similarly. So that tier that Aaron Rodgers is in starts at 14, but I have him at the back end of it where he is at 22. His ADP right now is quarterback 10. His defense has improved over the past year or so because they added a whole bunch of free agents and spent a lot of high draft picks last year on defenders and they're all coming together they're all looking really good last year their defense was way improved from the past three or four seasons now it's probably going to be a little bit better because they don't have any new faces it's going to be all the same guys that were there so cove is not going to hurt them too much and they still have the same dc and whatnot so they're not going to have new schemes to learn or anything like that so it's going to be they have some good continuity on their defense and all the young guys are going to be coming into a second year either with the Packers if they were free agents or second year in the league if they were drafted as rookies last year. So the defense, number one, has gotten better. Number two, the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. What does this mean? To me, it means that they're showing that they are going to be even more committed to the run game than they were last year. And not only is it the fact that they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round when they have Aaron Jones who's and A.J. Dillon's a running back, but also the fact that Because they made that selection, they did not draft a wide receiver. This is the best wide receiver class since 2014. That was the Odell, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry year. That was that insane year. I think Allen Robinson was in there too. So they did not take a receiver at all in this draft. That's insane, especially because that was clear to everyone as their biggest need. And they chose not to take it. So if they're not taking a wide receiver... If they were planning on being a team that passed a lot, trust me, they would have taken a wide receiver or at least signed one in free agency that's better than Devin Funches. So it shows to me that they are not planning on passing much. They are really starting to morph into the Titans. And honestly, it might not be a bad idea. The Titans have been super successful. They're scrappy. And the Packers are on their way there. They just got their Derrick Henry type of running back. They still have Aaron Jones, They have a good developing defense. They have one elite playmaker at wide receiver. If you want to compare A.J. Brown as the elite wide receiver playmaker in Tennessee, well, they have their Devontae Adams. And obviously, where I'm drawing this comp from is the fact that they have Matt LaFleur, who was in Tennessee just two seasons ago. So that is some things already working against Aaron Rodgers in my opinion. Mind because the Titans are not a, a high pass volume team. They rely on the run game and a good defense, and they like to control the ball. That's what I think the Packers are trying to move to. So he's gonna have low pass volume, and he has not great weapons at wide receiver. That's already two of the four things I just talked about in my equation to become an elite quarterback in fantasy. And what was the what was another one of the things? Rushing potential. Guess what? Aaron Rodgers, his rushing. Has steadily been declining and it's going to continue to do so as he's getting older so those things along with the fact that his arm is not as strong as it was it's still really strong still probably one of the better ones in the league but his arm strength is starting to diminish points me to say that he's probably going to continue declining in fantasy don't be entranced by his name Aaron Rodgers I get it I get it he was great for so long But that's what he once was and not what he will be this year. So that's my case against Aaron Rodgers, just like I had a case against him last year and I was right and the year before and I was right. This time, I've jumped him way down to 22. We'll see if I'm right again. But Aaron Rodgers is definitely a guy I am not touching this year. And with that said, we have one sleeper covered, one bus covered. Now I want to get to something that I have a little bit different and I call it my boom potential they're the guys that I think have potential to finish in the top five. And I'm going to start us off in this category with Matt Ryan. He is my quarterback eight. So honestly, already top five is not far. So he is in his second year this year with offensive coordinator Dirt Cutter. In the last three years that Matt Ryan came into his second year with his offensive coordinator, because over the last 5 years, he's only had an offensive coordinator for 2 years and then he's gotten a new one. And he always struggles in that first year. So if you just take his second year over the last 5 years with a offensive coordinator, here is his average. Yardage 4854 yards. That's 3 seasons and 34 passing touchdowns. He averages in his second year with an offensive coordinator to finish as the quarterback 3.5 This year could easily be that, 100%. He's going to be among the league leaders in pass attempts. He's actually who I have projected for the second most pass attempts behind Jared Goff, and Trainwreck actually has Matt Ryan projected as the number one most pass attempts this year in the NFL. So with all his weapons, you know, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst hopefully works out well. Russell Gage is a decent three and Todd Gurley's not a horrible receiver. He's probably not any worse than DeVonta Freeman was this past year or so. So, he has a great cast. He's going to have to throw the ball a lot. The only thing I think that could work against Matt Ryan is if the one, if Hayden Hurst struggles to be good because of everything that's going on. And two, if the defense ends up taking a huge step forward. And they don't have to throw as much, but I don't really see that happening. And even if their defense takes a step forward, Dirk Cutter loves to throw the ball. Matt Ryan loves to throw the ball. So they still might throw the ball a lot. So I think it's very, very possible Matt Ryan finishes inside the top five. Even without his rushing. But but the reason is because Matt Ryan in his second year is madly efficient in every category. And there's only two there's two things that you need. You must have if you're not gonna run the ball to be top five in quarterbacks and that's one huge pass volume which Matt Ryan will have hopefully we all pretty much all of us agree on that and because he always does and huge efficiency you need both and most guys don't have that but Matt Ryan does so it gives him the potential to be a top five quarterback so that is my number one boom potential guy and so now with that said we're going to go back over to a sleeper Sleeper number two for me this year, Tyrod Taylor. Look, I'm not trying to beat the same drum. I know you guys have heard it over and over and over. I just want to point out his ADP is still so low. He is outside the top 25 quarterbacks, and that's as far back as I was finding on ADP calculator, but I'm sure he's probably like quarterback 31 off the board, maybe in front of only Dwayne Haskins or Nick Foles. And he's my quarterback 15. So real quick, for those that are maybe new, Tyra Taylor has never been worse than quarterback 16 as a starter. He finished as a top 10 quarterback in points per game in two of his three years as a starter in Buffalo. And Buffalo did not have good weapons. They were average weapons at best, and that is being extremely kind. He also threw the ball an average of 449 times in those three seasons. That's not a lot at all. 449. Whereas the Chargers last year threw the ball 597 times last year. That's almost 150 pass attempt difference. Now, obviously, I don't expect Tyrod to throw 597 times because that's not the type of quarterback he is. And when he's running, he's taking away passing options or in terms of like the play how the plays are divvied up between run and pass. Obviously, if he's running more than Rivers was, then those would have been pass plays otherwise. So I'm only projecting 495 attempts, but that's still 50 attempts more than he has ever thrown, or 40 attempts more than he has ever thrown. Not only is he going to throw more than he ever has, but his efficiency should be way better because of LA's weapons. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry? Are you kidding? Compared to Charles Clay, Robert Woods before he was a thing? and Kelvin Benjamin, or Sammy Watkins, and Sammy Watkins only had that one good year in Buffalo, and we've seen that Sammy Watkins is not an elite guy, come on now. Like, let's, come on now. It's so different, so much different. Plus, he's still going to have his rushing production. He had over 500 yards every season rushing in Buffalo, Uh, if you extend his, you know, because he missed a couple games, if you extend him to 16 games in each season, he was over 500, and he had five, touchdowns on the ground average per season so that should continue with a good defense behind him and the chargers are likely to run the ball more than pass or be very close to doing so plus guess who he plays week one probably the best possible matchup the cincinnati Bengals. so not only do you get to draft him super late but you get to start him in week one and see what you have and i think he's gonna put up a top 10 top seven quarterback performance in week one he's gonna run for a good amount And the Bengals are not ready. Like any additions that they made to their defense that might possibly make them slightly better than last year are not gonna help them week one because they've had no time to learn anything or practice any real game snaps. So that's gonna be a great matchup for Tyrod and it can get you confident for the rest of the season. Now let's move to my second bust. This is my last bust and that's Big Ben. He is going off the board as quarterback 16. He is my quarterback, 28. Here's the thing. Could he finish at 16? Yes. But there are so many things working against him that I am not taking that risk. There's too many questions. Question number one, do the Steelers even throw the ball near 600 times? And even if they throw 600, that's probably not even enough. Because in 2018, that was when he was quarterback three. That was his last good fantasy season. In 2018, he threw the ball 675 times. 675 times. That's insane. There's no way that they get to 675 this year. I would be surprised if they get to 600. So that's definitely not happening, the 675 attempts. Also, not only did he throw the ball that much, but he also had Antonio Brown, so he was relatively better in efficiency than he will be this year. So not only are you knocking down his past attempts by at least 70 You're also taking away Antonio Brown, which I don't care how much we love Deontay Johnson. He is not Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was the best wide receiver in football when he was on the field. So you're losing that. That's the last time we've seen Big Ben play real football. He's played like two games without Antonio Brown and was banged up that you can't even take anything out of that. And even if you did, he was horrible. He was horrible those two games before he got hurt. So even if you wanted to take that, and use that as a sample size, then you definitely, definitely are not drafting Big Ben. He needed that much attempt, 675, with good efficiency to be good for fantasy, because he has no rushing. And with zero rushing attempts, and now he lost AB, has a slightly worse O-line, a slightly worse rushing attack, and a way better defense, all of those things say... Big time regression. Big Ben, and yes, I know 3 to even 16 would be considered regression, but I'm talking monumental regression here. The defense alone is going to make those pass attempts go way down. Then the fact that he's not going to be efficient with those pass attempts is going to hurt him even even further. Trust me, he screams a guy who is going to be so bad in efficiency, and I do not want him at that price, especially with the guys going around him. There are so many guys around him I'd rather have. And so now, what is a guy I'd rather have that's going around him? One of the guys in my boom potential. Potential to finish top five. Cam Newton. Quarterback 14. Off the board. He has been a top five quarterback. I'm sure most of you guys have heard this. And every year he has played 16 games. And honestly, what other stat do you need? We're talking boom potential. Why somebody has the chance to finish top five. That's why. He's done it every time he's played a full season period. It's all in the rushing production. He won't need to be passing much. He never has. So as long as he can be what he was as a rusher, he can easily be top five quarterback. He's my quarterback uh, 17. And honestly, I take him way higher than that. I take him at the top of the tier. So I actually take him at quarterback 14, which is his ADP, because that's where the tier I have Cam Newton in starts. But yeah, I love his potential. And Like I said, we're trying to draft two quarterbacks this year. So if you're drafting Cam Newton, don't just draft Cam Newton. Draft a second quarterback who has a good schedule at the beginning of the year that you can play while Cam Newton gets his feet wet in New England. And with that said, we get to my final and last sleeper. Somebody that I could see myself pairing with a Cam Newton. And you can get him extremely late, just like Tyrod. Gardner Minshew, he's my quarterback 10, DS, numero 10, because of so many things, like the fact that he paced for more than 400 rushing yards last year, that's like a mark 7 people hit, he also should have to pass way more this year because the defense has lost very many people, including Calais Campbell, AJ Boye, and possibly Yannick Ngakwe, and his wide receiver core is good enough for him to be slightly efficient with DJ Chark, DD Westbrook, and the newly added Chris Thompson and LaVisca Chennault. That's going to help a lot. And here's the kicker. Last year on 67 rush attempts, that brought him to 300 and about 60 rushing yards. He had zero rushing touchdowns. Trust me, that's coming up. It could be anywhere between two and four and I'm projecting two. It might be more than four, but it's unlikely. Um, he's probably between two and four in rushing touchdowns. I'm only projecting two, which is probably his floor if he runs like he did last year. Plus, in some of the workout videos he's posted, he's in way better shape this year than he was last year. Last year, was Minchu preparing to be the starting quarterback? Okay, I know elite athletes always say, man, you prepare to be the best. It's true. It's true. But do not tell me that... You don't have more gas in the tank. I know. I played I was an athlete too. We've anyone that's been an athlete knows yes, you can give a hundred and a hundred percent, but there's always more gas in the tank. And so maybe Minshew was always preparing like he was gonna be the number one quarterback. But I bet you he's preparing more this year than he was last year, and I bet you we're gonna see him take a lot of strides in parts of his game, especially because it was he was a rookie and he gets to see And watch film and see, hey, what do I need to work on? I need to work on this. All right, I'm going to get better at this. Just like any other rookie quarterback, we expect them to be better in year two. Do we not? I think Minshew's the the same thing. Just because he's a late-round guy, and he might not flash crazy, exciting plays like a Kyler Murray or whatnot. That doesn't mean he's not going to get better, just like we always expect rookie quarterbacks to do. So he's going to get better. He runs the ball a lot, not that much less than Kyler Murray. And who is my quarterback three, by the way? It's just the fact that he's not going to have like six rushing touchdowns, which Kyler's probably at. And Kyler is going to have more around 600 rushing yards than 400. But Minshew is in a good situation for fantasy purposes. And also, here's the last thing Minshew is trying to prove to the Jaguars that they should roll with him for the future. He is going to let it rip. And he's going to do everything he can in his power to make sure that the Jaguars are not a bottom dweller in the league because he knows that they're going to draft a quarterback if they have the opportunity. If he is not good enough to get them outside of the top five in terms of draft pick position, he's going to screw himself. So trust me, he's going to to be giving it all he has. And at the ADP of outside the top 25 quarterbacks, are you kidding me? He was way better than that last year, and he's probably going to get better, and he's going to have to pass more. Come on, guys. So that's my last sleeper. And We finished my bust of Aaron Rodgers and Big Ben, so we got to get to the last person I really wanted to talk about on this wrap-up of quarterback week, and it's another guy with boom potential. We've talked about Matt Ryan and Cam Newton. Who's the other one? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is my QB9, and or no, Carson Wentz is my QB7, sorry. Burrow is my 8, 9 is Brady. Carson Wentz is my QB7, very, very close to that tier of Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, very close to that tier. Here's the thing. He's quarterback 12 off the board, and I don't see how he does worse than that, and he has the potential to be top five. In 2017, he played 13 games. This was the year where he was in the running for MVP before he got hurt, okay? His 16-game pace put him that season at 402 fantasy points. You know how much that that is? That was better than Dak's 398 fantasy points last year, so if you took that season last year, he would have been the quarterback 2 behind Lamar Jackson because I'm pretty sure Dak was the QB two. And last year, he was the quarterback 10 with basically a bunch of nobodies half of the season at wide receiver. And now what happened? Now he has Deshaun Jackson back from injury. Deshaun Jackson played one game last year versus Washington, which is also the team that they're starting off again this this year against in week one. So that's cool. I'm definitely throwing d in a, uh, a fan duel or two. But he gets d back, who went for more than 100 yards and two touchdowns in his only game with Carson last year. Now he's going to get Alshon back, who, okay, even if you don't believe in him, still, there's so many other factors added to this receiving core. So Alshon's back. d is back. They added Jalen Rager, first-round wide receiver, who I likened to Tyler Lockett, just a little bit tougher and meaner. And they even have Marquise Goodwin as a D-Jacks injury insurance. So I'm not saying Goodwin is as good as Deshaun Jackson, but he can do a lot of similar things as Deshaun Jackson in a pretty good level, or to a good level. And so even if d gets hurt, Goodwin can do like 70% of what d would have done if he was healthy. And then lastly, they get J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, their second rounder from last year. He's going to be healthy. Last year, he seemed like he sucked if you just look at his stats. But you know what? His stats don't tell you that he was banged up all year. Well, guess what? He's not this year. He's going to be so much better, in my opinion. And he's actually another one of the guys that I'm really stashing in Dynasty. I talked about Tate earlier. Another guy I really like to stash in Dynasty is J-Jaw. That's the short way to say j J. or Sego Whiteside. Whenever Wentz is healthy, he's been good. He is healthy now. And he has a deadly cast of wide receivers and tight ends. Don't forget about Goddard and Ertz relative to the past. And honestly, even if you don't aren't just comparing what he has this year to the past, that's probably one of the better groups in the league if you consider Goddard and Ertz into the receiving core as a whole. Because you have your big guy Alshon, and you have a big guy behind him, J. Jaw. Then you have your guy who takes the top off the defense, D. Jax, with. The same type of player behind him Marquise Goodwin then you have Jalen Rager who can do a little bit of everything and then you also have two really good tight ends Goddard and Ertz so he could easily easily finish top five especially if he's throwing the ball 580 times or more so Carson Wentz is the last guy that I really wanted to focus on as somebody who could really boom and basically all the guys I'm drafting are from this list if I did not say somebody's name in this podcast today they're probably not on any of my rosters um i think i might have tom brady on one and i'm talking about rosters that i drafted this year not carryovers so like dynasties that i've had like josh allen and stuff obviously i still have those guys because it carries over but if i didn't say somebody's name here then i probably don't have them so all the guys that i'm drafting are some combination of joe burrow Tyrod taylor gardner minchu Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Carson Wentz. Those are the six guys that I'm drafting. And you know who the guys I was drafting last year? It was actually a little bit smaller of a group, but I took Lamar Jackson in as a flyer in one or two leagues. Um, I wish I did that more. But the guys that I was drafting last year were Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen, and all three of them finished inside the top six, where I had them all ranked, actually. I was pretty good on quarterback. That was my best uh, position in terms of how I graded out, how my stats were reflected into what really happened what happened in reality so quarterback was my best position last year and I'm feeling pretty good about it this year so those are the guys I'm drafting and finally I want to talk about my strategy my preferred strategy at quarterback and that strategy is taking a duo at the position late two quarterbacks my favorite pairings are Carson Wentz and Joe Burrow, I usually get Carson around the 9th, and Joe Burrow around the 12th or 13th. Their schedules match up really well. You play Carson early versus the Redskins, Rams, and Bengals in the first three weeks while Joe Burrow finds his footing in the NFL, and then at that point, they're both going to be good in fantasy, and you can play matchups the rest of the way. And their matchups match up decently well as well. Or two, I don't want to say that too much. Um, And then Minshew, Gardner Minshew and Tyrod Taylor, that's another pair I really like. Um, And the best part is I get to load up at running back receiver and even tight end if I want, because guess what? I'm getting Gardner Minshew and Tyrod Taylor as my last two picks before kicker and defense. Both have good rushing floors, and both could easily finish in the top 10. Tyrod's done it twice in points per game, and Minshew has a great shot at it, as we talked about. And honestly, I'm pretty good at streaming, and I'm sure... A lot of you guys are good at streaming matchups. So, if you have both of those guys, you could probably get a top six ish finish at quarterback every week if you play the matchups correctly. Another pair that I like is Cam Newton and Gardner Minshew because you can get Cam in the 10th. And, like I said, Gardner Minshew can be basically your last pick. You have your boom potential with Cam and Minshew, who is pretty safe because he's going to throw the ball more than Cam, but he's still going to run the ball a good amount. And basically any combo combination of Tyrod, Burrow, and Minshew, since they are all late picks, you could either take two of the super late ones and slam all your other positions and be super solid and super confident in every other position, and then be happy with your quarterback situation once you see them play. And, you know, there's that route. And then there's also, maybe you just take one of those super three late guys or super late guys, uh, Tyrod, Burrow, and Minshew, maybe just take one of them and pair them with a Carson, a Matt Ryan, or a Cam Newton. And then you still have really good value at the quarterback position. And because I can get all these guys that I really like late, either ones with really good boom potential or guys that are just sleepers in general, I am not drafting quarterbacks high at all. I'm not getting anybody from that first tier of Mahomes and Lamar. Unless Lamar slips into the third, If Lamar slips into the third and there's not somebody that I really love right there, like um, a DJ Moore, or someone is not there for me that I I usually take in the third, then I'm going to take Lamar. But other than Lamar, I'm not taking Mahomes wherever he's going to go because he's never going to slip into the fourth. That's the only time I'd consider him. And I'm not taking Kyler or Dak or Deshaun or Russell any time before the seventh round. And they're always gone before then. They usually go in the fifth round and then the sixth round. So... I always wait on quarterback, and I think that's the best way to go. With that said, that's my conversation that I'm done with. Like That's my presentation for today. And now I'm going to go ahead and answer the questions that I've gotten from you guys. I told you I'd finish everyone's questions, so let's do that now. Hampus asks me from Twitter, Why did the Raiders pay Mariota so good? Is there a solid chance he will be given the starting job if Carr doesn't perform from the beginning? So it's kind of a two-part question right there. So let's focus on part one first. Why did the Raiders pay Mariota so good? Well, one, they got money to burn in terms of cap space. They're not tight against the cap. So why not bring in a guy that we know John Gruden loved? Because if you go back to the draft where Mariota and James Winston were rookies, John Gruden was somebody when he was giving his analysis because he wasn't a coach in the NFL at that point. He loved Mariota. And in his quarterback camp, he loved Mariota. So he saw an opportunity to get a guy that he loved that still is somewhat young and get him in the building for a reasonable price. He said, why not? That's basically my take on it. You always want to have, you know, your best shot at getting the best possible quarterback that you can get. And I think that's what the Raiders were trying to do. Bring in Mariota, see what he's got. But I don't really think it was necessarily them thinking he's going to beat out Carr. I think it's more just, hey, maybe we'll see something or whatnot that gives us an opportunity to play Mariota. Or if Carr gets hurt, we can have a a good backup. If we're in a position to win, we can hopefully continue winning. So that's the answer to number one, in my opinion. Then you said, is there a solid chance he'll be given the starting job if Carr doesn't perform? I would say yes, but with all the new additions, with Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and, okay, that's pretty much it. They also added Nelson Aguilar. But the main additions of, you know, Ruggs and Edwards, Bowden you can you can count to as like a wide receiver running back um, hybrid. But with all those additions, I think they're going to probably try and give Carr the whole season to see what he can put together with these weapons and see if he can morph his game a little bit. Because if you bring, bring in all these weapons and then you pull Carr after like, let's say, six games because he's not doing well, that's not much time to try and mesh with all these new guys. So, And Mariota's is not necessarily the guy that you want throwing the ball to a bunch of weapons either. He's not any more of a deep ball thrower than Carr is, and he's not more accurate than Carr is or anything. So honestly, I think it would be tough for that to happen. But maybe if we're like 10 games in or 12 games in and Carr's not, look good, Carr's not looking good, then maybe they throw in Mariota. So it's an interesting thing to think about. And uh, it's actually... One of the questions that my next guy, Richard Lopez, asked, he asked me a few questions, and one of them one of them was also about Marcus Mariota. He said, is Marcus Mariota worth a hold in two quarterback leagues? I would say yes, but I wouldn't hold on to him too long. I would hold on to him through this season, but you want to see what happens after this season. He's not somebody I would be holding on to for years and years. Sometimes people will find somebody that had a high pedigree, and are in a you know backup situation somewhere in the league, and they're going to hold them for three, four years. Sometimes people just don't give up. At this point, I think this is pretty much Mariota's last straw, last chance. And if he doesn't get a chance to play this year, and he's not in a starting position next year, which obviously is not going to happen if he doesn't get a chance to play this year, then I think you would go ahead and drop him. But yeah, definitely keep him for this year um, and see what you got. Then another question he asked was, Who's the better Colts hold, Jacob Eason or Jacoby Brissett? That one is super tough for me because there's two sides to look at it from. One is, who do I think is better? And the answer to that is Brissett. But then I also have to ask myself, who do I think is more likely to be a Colt? And the answer to that is Jacob Eason because Philip Rivers is on a one-year deal. I personally don't think that he's going to do as good as the Colts organization would hope for him to do. So it's possible he's not back. And in that case, honestly, Eason or no matter who stays, if one of them stays, obviously one of them will because Eason was just drafted. But if one of them stays and they move on from Rivers, those guys are not going to be the starter. Because if they move on from Rivers, that means that they had a bad season. If they had a bad season, that means they're in the position to at least trade up, if they're not super bad, to trade up for a quarterback and grab a quarterback. So trust me, if... Rivers doesn't pan out, which I'm projecting not not I'm not projecting them to be horrible, but I'm not thinking that Rivers is going to take them to like 11 and five or 12 and four by any means, then um, I don't see Eason or Brissett starting for the Colts ever, because I don't think Eason is as good as most people were grading him coming into the NFL. But honestly, once we got close to the draft, people started knocking their grades down on Eason a little bit. And that's i like to see that. And I'm happy he went all the way down to the fourth round because some people had him in the first round or second round in their mocks, and I thought that was way too high. So the fact that Eason was picked in the fourth round shows the Colts aren't really, you know, believers of him, big believers of him, and they're probably just looking for a guy that they think they have a chance to mold as a good backup. And the same thing with brissett He's making more money, and he's on their team. I think Brissett is the guy they're looking forward to this year. So I think if something happens this year, Jacoby Brissett is the guy that's gonna play. And that would lean me to holding J- Jacoby Brissett. And honestly, I try not to answer these questions too much before the podcast. So I kind of just talked myself into that one. But it's sound reasoning to me because I don't think Eason is ever gonna have like a he's not gonna be a long-term starter. He's not the kind of guy that they're gonna just sit and marinate and they're in a position to win now with the team that they have built around Rivers. So if Rivers doesn't hold it together, the guy that they're going to put in is not going to be a rookie quarterback. It's going to be somebody that they've seen do good enough, which was Jacoby Brissett. And he was way better than people realize. And he did it with barely anything last year. I mean, T.Y. Hurton, uh, T. That's a good name, actually. T.Y. Hurton. Wow. Instead of Hilton. That's good. I'm going to keep that one. Back pocket. Uh, I got to start a new league just so I could use that. But T.Y. Hilton was hurting last year, and he didn't have a Michael Pittman Jr., and Paris Campbell was hurt and not getting a high snap count, and there was no Jonathan Taylor. Like, that situation is so much better, so if they put Brissett in, I think he'll look much better this year than he did last year, and he could actually, you know, do pretty good with them and help them have a, a good record. And then the last question you asked was, what's the full's trade value, or what is full's trade value to the Trubisky owner? So when it comes to values, it always is team dependent. You have to be able to analyze the person's team you're talking about. So I'll give you a few or offer you a few scenarios. Let's say the Trubisky owner. So I'm assuming this is still two quarterback league, of course. Let's say the Trubisky owner has three quarterbacks. Trubisky's one of them. So really, he has two starting quarterbacks and he's worried about the fill-ins for either COVID or injury or bye weeks. And he wants somebody that's actually going to be starting, and he thinks Foles is going to be starting. So yes, in that situation, Foles is going to have pretty good trade value. But this guy also has to have a good team, or at least thinks he has a good team. If he's in a position where he thinks he's going to be in the bottom half of the league, he's probably not going to care for Foles because he's probably not, and I don't either think that Foles or Trubisky is going to be the long-term starter in Chicago. So if he's not trying to win and go for it all this year— then I think his trade value is no better than a third-round rookie pick. But in the case of him being in a position to win and him just needing some security at the quarterback position, where, like I said, if Trubisky's his quarterback three and he just needs security for any type of fill-in that he may need, then I think you could get Foles off of your roster and get a second-round rookie pick in return I would definitely not ask for a first because that could just be a conversation ender. You never want to over ask. My philosophy when I'm when it comes to trades is ask for a little bit higher than what I'm hoping to accept. So like if I was trying to trade Foles and, you know, just for the sake of this conversation, let's say this guy has two second round picks. Um, let's say I'm okay with getting Foles off my team, sending him Foles for the 210. okay. 210, that, that that's pretty good value. There's a lot of good rookies at that spot this year in drafts. So, and usually it's it's not that massively different from year to year in rookie drafts. So let's say I'm okay with accepting the two ten, but he has the two five. So usually I would be like, hey, I'll give you fulls for the two five and your fourth or something. Just slightly ask over what you're willing to accept. But if you jump in and you're like, and I'm not saying that you would do this, this is just general advice for everyone listening. If You know, you throw out, hey, I'll give you fulls for a first. That guy's gonna be pissed off. He's gonna be like, this guy's an idiot. He's annoying, and it's just gonna completely derail the possibility that you had at a trade. So don't be that guy that over asks and is just being ridiculous. And also, don't screw yourself by asking for exactly what you want in the first attempt, because if you do so, they're always gonna give you a response. I mean, there are always those guys you got to know your league mates. I always have a few of my guys where I don't mess around and I just say, look. This is my one and only offer. This is what I want to accept if you want to take it. And, you know, they will because they're guys that have their own opinions. They value, you know, things in their own ways and they're confident. So they don't give me like counters all the time. But most people, like 90% of people are always going to give you a counter. You're never going to get what your first asking price is. So always ask a little bit higher. And with that said, I would say full trade value in a vacuum is probably a early third round rookie pick because I don't think he is going to be the starter there for long. And I don't think he's going to find a starting job after that. So that's it for the quarterback questions. I believe I finished all of them through these last three episodes through this week. That's quarterback week for you guys. And we are going to be starting running back week, hopefully on Sunday. You guys will obviously see when Sunday comes, but I'm trying to get running back week started on Sunday. We still have a good amount of time, especially with preseason being canceled. So we're not going to have, I was planning on having podcast episodes about changes, ranking changes from the preseason, you know, because we always see things in the preseason that change our minds about stuff. So I was really looking forward to that, but we won't have that because of COVID. So we have some more time on our hands. I'm trying to start running back week on Sunday, but I have a bunch of things going on outside of fantasy in my life right now. So I may not be able to get it done by Sunday because, you know, I put a lot of time into these podcasts. Um, so, that's basically what I got for you guys, hopefully we can get the podcast continuing on Sunday and do a similar thing, similar structure, three episode per week structure for the rest of the positions, thank you guys for all of your support listening to this point if you have, and look, if you guys listen to this point and you enjoy the podcast, please, please, please give me a rating or a review, be honest, I'm not asking you to, you know, fluff up anything, just be honest, because I want to get better, and also, Every rating or review that comes in helps me, no matter the rating. So please do that for me if you can. It doesn't take too long. Have a good one, guys. Keep diving deep. Let's win these leagues this year. Peace.